0: Hey, so what's your name? My name's Emily. And what year are you at App? I'm a junior. And I hear you have a joke. I do. Would you like to hear it? Yes. What kind of coffee does Beyonce drink? Mm, I don't know what. All the single lattes. <laughs> uh, welcome to RUF. Uh, my name's Chris again. Um, again, we're really happy that you're here, uh, whoever you are. Um, a special welcome to you if you This is your first time or one of your first times, so we're really thankful to have you as our guest. And any way that we can help you, answer questions, um, love you in any way, get you connected in any way, we would love to do that. So anyway, welcome. Um, There's a lot of weird news stories out there. Uh, One of the weirdest ones I heard, did you guys hear about the guy um, that was like a hermit in the woods in Maine for like 30 years? Did you guys hear that one? It sounds like the beauty of a joke. Did you guys hear the one about the Herman in Maine? Um, man, I'm just feeling so awkward with this microphone right now. <laughs> if I'm like kind of back from you, you can still hear me there, right? Okay. Um, okay, so this guy was in, in Maine in like in the mid-80s. He just drove his car out, like up in the north of Maine where it's like really cold and no one lives. And um, he, he drove just to the, end of the, uh, to the end of a road and he got out and he just like walked into the wilderness and he disappeared for like 30 years. And, um, he he lived in the wilderness, totally outside, but, um, he wasn't, like, this, like, survivor man type guy. Like, he didn't, like, learn to, like, hunt or fish or, like, gather nuts or anything. He, um, he he survived for 29 years by, like, stealthily breaking into the same people's houses over and over again. (laughs) And, not even kidding. And stealing, um food, but not even like good food, like, like, like Twinkies and like Twizzlers and stuff and other uh, foods that start with TW and, um, and he just lived that way. But the thing was he, for 30 years, there was only one time that he interacted with another person for 30 years. He passed the guy on a trail one day, like halfway in and all he said to the guy was, hi. And that, and that was the only time he talked to another person for 30 straight years. They found him. He was breaking into someone's house and they finally caught him. And um, the person that was interviewing him said, um, you know, like when you were out there, like in the solitude, did it make you like, did it increase your perception? Like, were you able to like hear things other people can't hear and see things? And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. But he said, "You know, I had this increased perception, this sensory awareness. But when I looked inside, it did this weird thing." And he says, um, "When I when I applied my increased perception to myself, I lost my identity. With no audience, no one to perform for, I was just there. There was no need to define myself. I became irrelevant. Like by himself, he became irrelevant to the world and even to himself. And." It's hard to escape the fact that no matter what you do, and no matter how significant your life is, there will come a time when just nobody cares anymore. Like, no one remembers. Like, does anybody know who founded this wonderful institution called Appalachian State University? Kalen, who is an ambassador, knows the answer to that question. Um, I, get the, I get the impression you need to know the answer to that for your job. Okay, um, how about, okay, the Plemons Student Union? Okay. Can anyone tell me any great stories about Dr. Clemens and his tenure as the chancellor at App State? No. Um, obviously, was important. There's a statue of the guy outside the building, and yet we know absolutely nothing. And this isn't like shaming us, Silas knows plenty. Um, we'll talk afterward. Um, uh, most of us don't even know like, what our own great-grandparents were like. You know, like we might know their name because we want to think of a cool name to the name our kid one day, and that is about it. But the reality of the fact is, no matter how famous you are, no matter how important you are, one day you will become irrelevant. And there's nothing that you can really do to shake that. It's just the, the way things work, because one day you will be gone, and eventually you will be forgotten. And I wonder if I asked you... What could give your life significance, like ultimate lasting significance that would matter for the long haul? I wonder what you would say. I wonder what you would say. If I did this thing, it would be significant. This semester, we're looking at the Apostles' Creed, which is this ancient summary of the Christian faith. And tonight, we get to this part where it says that Jesus, on the third day, rose again from the dead. It's in your, it's in your bulletin there. Bulletin. It's in your worship folder. Um, piece of paper that's folded in half. And um, what Paul is saying in the passage we're looking at tonight is, if Jesus didn't ri- uh, rise from the dead, nothing has significance. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, then everything, your life in East Hall eating ramen noodles, has significance. Okay? So, you'll see there, um, it's printed in the little thing. It's a long, it's a long section. I'm going to read it with some um, velocity. And the reason why I, I, I do this, when you're reading the Bible, I know some of you guys, you're like, okay, if you're a Bible reading person, I'm not assuming that you are. You're like, okay, I need some juice for today, so you flip it open and you like, stick your finger down. And you're like, okay, I read this verse from Nahum, and it's supposed to do something. Um, the Bible is meant to be read as as a unit, and um, so we're going to read this long section, but I'll read quickly because I want to get an idea of what Paul's saying. But listen, this is God's word. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me, whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. But here's the good part. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Uh, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come the past, the saying that is written. This will sound familiar. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Thanks for listening to that long passage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. Would you be with us now as we consider it and show us Jesus as we pray in his name. Amen. Okay, so Paul, who wrote this letter, he's saying the resurrection is really important. And he says the resurrection is really important for three reasons, okay? This is what he wants us to know. This is what he's harping on. The resurrection really happened, okay? The resurrection had to happen. And the resurrection has ultimate significance for your life, okay? So let's zoom through that. The resurrection really happened. Now, at a Christian meeting, that might seem obvious to a lot of you that we would believe that the resurrection actually happened. And a lot of you guys grew up believers or you're Christians and you're like, yeah, sure. I believe that it happened, right? But some of you, maybe not. Some of you, you're like, ah, that seems kind of dubious. I've never seen someone rise from the dead, so I'm not sure I could believe that. Um, and if we took a poll on campus, they're probably pretty mixed. Some people, yeah, that, that, that could have happened, and some, not so much. And that mixed bag of perspectives on the resurrection was true when Paul wrote this letter almost 2,000 years ago. He's writing to a church in Corinth full of Corinthians, and that's why it's called First Corinthians, So now, you know, Um, still can't help you with Nahum. Actually, it's the guy who wrote it anyway. um, (laughs) So he writes these people, but the people in the church, some of them had been lifelong uh, believers in the God of the Bible. They were they were practiced Judaism and they had become Christian. So they had sort of been believers in God for a long time. Some of them became Christians um, from like a secular background. And some of them were still trying to figure it out. And there was this debate in the church, because I'm sure you've never heard of there being a debate in the church. And um, I know I sure haven't. And um, I've never started them either. Um, uh, But there was this debate in the church, because the Christian folks believe, like, hey, when we die, one day we're going to come back to life. And, you know, that's a little bit weird. And so some people were like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. And there was still some doubt, like, maybe Christ didn't even raise from the dead. Maybe this is just a spiritual thing that happens. In our hearts, so Paul is writing them, and he's, and he's saying, "Look, this really happened." At the at the that first section there, he, he's talking about that Jesus died and he was buried, and then he, on the third day he he came back to life. He he was really dead, like actually dead. He wasn't just like nearly dead or swooned or anything like that. Uh, he was totally dead, and he came back to life. And he says something really interesting. He says, he appeared to Cephas, who's Peter, and then he appeared to these people, and then he appeared to these other people, and then he appeared to 500 people at one time. And he makes this little statement. He goes, um, and most of them are still alive, but some of them are dead. And what he's saying is, look, if you don't believe in the resurrection, that's cool, but you should go ask some people. Because a lot of people saw Jesus when when he was risen from the dead. And there are certifiable eyewitnesses to this event. And if you're if you're struggling with that, you should go ask them. And then like Jimbo that lives outside of Jerusalem will tell you, "Yeah, I saw Jesus. It's weird, isn't it? Crazy that Jesus came back from the dead." And so he's saying, "Go check the facts. It isn't a secret. Jesus appeared to a lot of people, and they can all justify that for you." And and really, that challenge exists for us today. Um, yes, the people that you you might be thinking, but yeah, all the people that I could ask are gone. Um, and, and you may be thinking, I, I probably don't believe in the resurrection or I have a hard time with it because, uh, you know, I've never seen someone come back from the dead. And that's a valid statement. But what I want you to catch is that it, you don't have a category for people coming back from the dead. Nobody that knew Jesus had a category for people coming back from the dead either. It wasn't like 2,000 years ago they were super used to people just like springing up from the grave all the time. Um, in John 20, which I won't read for the sake of time, because I already read like 76 verses from 1 Corinthians 15. Um, but in, first, in, in John 20, a really interesting thing happens. The apostles, who are Jesus' best friends, they're hiding in an upper room somewhere. And it says the door was locked because they were afraid. They were afraid that the same people that killed Jesus were going to come kill them. Okay, So they were freaking out. And three days after Jesus was dead, clearly they were, they were not like, hey... Expect to see him any time now. Like, they were scared. They were hiding up in the upper room. And Jesus just walks in. The door's locked. He just come, kind of comes in. I don't know how he got in. Came through the door. I'm not really sure. And he's like, peace be with you. And they don't think that's normal. Like, they're surprised by it. Like, um, And one of them, okay, so they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And so then they go to this other guy who's one of them. His name's Thomas. Thomas is kind of famous for doubting. Um <laughs> You may know that. You may not. Um, and this guy Thomas, he was one of Jesus' best friends too. And he was like, "Yeah, unless I see Jesus myself." He wasn't there. I don't know where he was. Maybe he wasn't as scared. Um, he wasn't there. He said, "Unless I see Jesus, unless he lets me put his my finger into the nail wounds in his hand and put my hand into his side. Like who would ever want to do that? But unless I can do those things, I will never believe." That's what he says. Like he's adamant. you guys are full of it. You're making this up. And, um, so as the story goes, eight days later, Jesus comes back and they're all in the same room again. And, uh, he comes to Thomas and, uh, Jesus, listen, it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he says to Thomas, who's got to be feeling pretty awkward at this moment, um, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. This is Jesus got, they put nails through his hands and they crucified him and they ran him through with a spear. And uh, he says, Do not disbelieve, but believe. Then Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. God bless you. That was a hilarious thing. Um, <laughs> a sneezer of the, of the night award um, <laughs> Jesus' friends didn't have a category for someone coming back from the dead until Jesus came back from the dead and it was a surprise to them and Paul's saying look ask these people this is a certifiable historical reality that people saw all the data we have about whether or not Jesus was risen from the dead is in the Bible Um, There's no reason to disbelieve these eyewitness testimonies unless we believe people just don't come back from the dead. And neither did anybody that saw Jesus. Okay, the resurrection actually happened. The burden of proof isn't on the Bible. It's on us. And Paul for Paul. okay, you're like, okay, why is this a big deal for Paul? It was incredibly important that it actually happened because the resurrection had to happen. That's the second point. Um, Look at what Paul says about what it would be like if the resurrection hadn't happened. He says, you know, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And he says, look, if there's no resurrection, what we preach is in vain. Your faith is in vain. You're still in your sins. Okay? It's not good. Um, And of all people in the world, Christians are to be pitied. Like everyone should take pity on us because we believe in this thing that didn't happen. This is why it's so important. Last week, if you were here, we looked at Jesus and his death on the cross. And we saw last week that on the cross, Jesus was taking the penalty for sin that we deserve. In a sense, he was writing a check to pay for what we owe God in our sin. And if Jesus stayed in the grave, what that means is that the payment was not sufficient that death still holds uh, its grip on sinners. If Jesus stayed in the grave, the check he wrote bounced for insufficient funds, and we're still in our sins. We're like the kid that's waiting for the bus, right? And you know that the bus has already come 10 minutes ago, and the kid's just sitting there, and you feel terrible for this kid because he's waiting for something that just isn't going to happen. And if Jesus doesn't walk out of the tomb, we are waiting for something that is never going to happen. That's how vastly important the reality of the resurrection is. But, yeah, in the gospel there's always like a, a but and there's really good news. But, Paul says, in fact, Jesus has been raised. And why that's important for us is because if Jesus has been raised, that means that he has beaten death. And no one has ever beaten death. That's the one thing that's never been done. You can overcome a lot of things, but you can't overcome death. One day it comes for all of us. And if Jesus has beaten death, that means we have hope that death isn't the end. Um, one of my favorite lines from a hymn is from In Christ Alone. It says, and as he, somewhat, Jesus, and as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. As Jesus stands, as he walks out of the tomb alive... He has showed that life and love has beaten death, and our penal- the penalty for sin has been paid for. Um, I was reminded of this this weekend when we were at Fall Conference. A guy named Dave Osborne spoke, and he used to do RUF at Western. He's a great guy. And um, the sermons are on our website if you want to check them out. They're very, very good. Um, but the, the reminder I got from him this weekend, and something he kept harping on was, Jesus didn't come and die and rise again for you to be better. Um, Jesus didn't come to make you more fulfilled. He didn't come to to fix some problems that you have going on. Um, He didn't come to make you love yourself more. He actually didn't come to, uh, empowerment is a great word, but he didn't come to empower you. Jesus died and was raised again because we need to be raised again. Jesus isn't all about making better people. Jesus is all about making new people out of dead people. And as Christ walks out of the tomb, we have hope that we can be new. And some of you guys, I know you have, you come to this thing on Wednesdays. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you do it a lot and you come here because you're like, I'm a little flabby spiritually because I hear this when I talk to you. Like I haven't been doing so great. And so I come to RUF and, it, and I feel like I'm doing better. Like you want to do better. Like you're out of shape. I get into RUF and I kind of like lift some weights. I hit the treadmill and then I get my pick me up for the week. And if that's you, I'm super, super glad you're here, and I'm so excited that you're here. And part of the reason that I'm excited that you're here is because I get to give you good news. Because Jesus making you slightly better is not good news. It's, trudge, it's just drudgery, and it's a treadmill. Jesus didn't die and come back to life so you could get better. Jesus died and came back to life so that you could come back to life. And he does it even now. That might be hard news. But isn't that better than the treadmill? Isn't that better than I just want to get a little bit better? If Jesus said, you can't, you're a mess. Here, let me make you new out of the pieces. So the the resurrection really happened. The resurrection had to happen or else we're still in our sin. But what does that mean for you? Um, I brought this book. uh, I love uh, Flannery O'Connor. If you don't read Flannery O'Connor, what's wrong with you? Um, I love her. She's from Georgia, like me, and uh, she was she's a Christian gal. Some of you guys in high school may have read this story. It's called A Good Man. It's hard to find, and uh, someone just gasped. (laughs) I hope with like I love that, and like I can't believe you're reading that. Um, But I won't ruin the story for you because it's it's short and it's really good. Flannery O'Connor is a master at exposing religion for, for myself and like self-righteousness she's awesome um, and she really stabs me right in the neck um, <laughs> which is ironic because a lot of people in her stories get stabbed in the neck um, but this story, I won't ruin it for you but it's about a family, they're going on vacation and they have this sort of self-righteous grandmother she's in the back and um, they break down and they uh, three guys come upon them and they are escaped from prison and you come to find out they're murderers um, again, <laughs> leave it up to you. And um, so the grandmother is talking to the, to the sort of head honcho of this group, and his name is the misfit. And she starts, she's starting to freak out, obviously. And she's saying like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, let's talk about Jesus. And uh, this is what he says. And this kind of highlights how important the resurrection is. He says, Jesus was the only one that ever raised the dead. The misfit continued. And he shouldn't have done it. He's thrown everything off balance. If he did what he said, then it's nothing for you to do but throw away everything and follow him. And if he didn't, then it's nothing for you to do but enjoy the few minutes you got left the best way you can. This is intense. By killing somebody or burning down his house or doing some other meanness to him. No pleasure but meanness, he said, and his voice had become almost a snarl. The misfit and Flannery O'Connor get something very important about the resurrection. If it happened, it changes everything. And there's nothing left for us to do but to fall down and worship Jesus. And if it didn't, get yours while you've got time. And Paul says the exact same thing. We didn't read it. But he says, look, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, let us eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Okay, Dave Matthews did not write that line, okay? It's in the Bible. Um, Probably talking to the wrong demographic here about that. But... It's of, it's of ultimate importance. He's saying the, the Bible compares life without God and life with God as vanity and significance. If you look what he's been saying all along, he's like, if Christ didn't die, everything's vain. Everything's futile. Nothing matters. It's a vapor. But if Christ did die, look at the very last part of the passage there. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain your life without Jesus is vanity, it's perishing, it's about you and it's not going to last but with Jesus it means something your life becomes something there's a great book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce and you should read it it's a fictionalized account of spirits in hell, it's on the the book table book table plug Um, it's about spirits in hell that take a magic school bus seriously um, up to heaven and they're walking around and what they notice when they get there is that everything around them is so much more significant than they are and by that I mean when they walk the grass doesn't bend beneath their feet and when they try to like pull a daisy up out of the ground their hands just get all ripped up from it and they're afraid that it's going to rain because if the, the rain would be so significant and heavy and weighty that it would just tear them to bits and they realize at that moment that everything they thought they were is insignificant in light of this reality of God. And the spirits in heaven, who actually aren't spirits but are real flesh and blood, they keep telling them, if you'll just come with me, if you'll just go further up, further in, and if you'll move toward Jesus over time, you will become more significant and you will take on weight if you will just move toward Jesus um, Things feel very insignificant. I love Ryan Adams, and um, again, if you don't love Ryan Adams, what's wrong with you? And um, by the way, Ryan Adams and I were married in the same room. He married Mandy Moore, I married Sarah Jane, so sucker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and I mean it. If you don't know Mandy Moore, she voices Sheriff Callie's Wild West, and this, you know, that's not what she's saying. Uh, in my daughter's life, that's what she's famous for. Um, but he has a song on, on his new record called give me something good. And, um, he captures this insignificance. He says, it's like, there's no tomorrow, barely yesterday, all my life been shaking, wanting something, holding everything I have. Like it was broken. Give me something good. Give me something good. And what he is expressing there is in our heart, the long for significance that what we're doing day after day would come so down. He's like, does this matter at all? And all of us have this long to be significant. And I wonder, do you ever feel like giving up? Do you ever feel like what you're doing doesn't matter at all? Um, If you do, welcome to humanity. Um, Let me be the first person to tell you that is okay and that's normal. And all of us deal with it in different ways. All of us escape in different ways. Some of us escape with Netflix. Some of us escape with video games. Um, some of you escape with partying. Some of you escape with sports, like reliving your glory days on the intramural field. Um, some of you escape by getting a lot of likes or upvotes or whatever. They, kids are calling them now. Um, so, some, some of you escape your own feeling of insignificance by tearing other people down to the point where you feel better about yourself. Um, That you talk negatively about other people, because if they're brought down a little bit, then I'm more significant, and I need desperately to feel significant. Um, Some of you would say, or some, some would say, yeah, 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 we all escape, and the way you escape, Christian minister guy, is by believing in this pie in the sky that Jesus is gonna come back, and he's gonna bring you back to life, and it's a fantasy, okay? And fair point. Okay? But if Jesus actually walked out of the grave, if it really happened in space and in time, that means that death is not the end. That means that your life can have ultimate significance, that everything you do can be significant. Because here's why: because you will live. Forever with God in perfection. And as we begin to get a glimpse now of what we will be in Jesus, if you come to Jesus by by faith, Jesus doesn't say, Come here now, do these things. He just says, Come, you can't do it. Just rest in me. If you will just come rest in me, the story isn't over when you die. And as we get a glimpse of what we'll be with Jesus every single moment of your life, yes, eating ramen in East Hall or going to class or um, advocating for your club all of those things can take on tremendous significance right now um, I want to end with a story of a friend of mine I want you to know that I don't tell this story because I take this subject lightly um, I don't because it's about cancer and uh, some of you guys know cancer very very close up and I understand that And I'm very, very, very sensitive to that. Um, And especially if you've looked cancer in the face, I want this to be hope for you. But I went to seminary with a guy, his name's Jason Tippetts, and uh, he's got a great beard. And, um... (laughs) But a couple, like two years ago, him and his wife, they moved to Colorado Springs Mm -hmm. to plant a church. And so, you know, it's like the guy with four kids planting a church. He's probably eating ramen, just not in East Hall. And... um, so they move out there. And pretty much the day they get there, some, some circumstances happen where they eventually come to find out that his wife has cancer. And she has breast cancer. I think Kara's like, man, she might be like a year or two older than me. And um, so anyway, so they, they did everything. They tried to be very aggressive, but the, it metastasized, which means it was in her blood. And Kara, is, is, she's still around. She is she's eaten up. With cancer, I mean, she has cancer as bad as you can have cancer, and um, so so I was in Panera today, and I was reading Kara's blog. She has a great blog. It's called Mundane Faithfulness, and um, you should read it. So I'm in I'm in Panera, and I'm like you know a puddle, like reading this this blog earlier, and I was struck by the fact that the the insignificant seeming things of her everyday life, she has so much hope in them. And I want to tell you a little bit about her because she proves that the resurrection can have, make your life significant now. And that I want—I want to read to you from her from her blog. And I'm—I'm I'm just going to go a couple minutes longer than I want to just because I want to read what she says. Hopefully, make it all the way through. Today, my oldest was on fall break. I think their oldest daughter is maybe like ten or eleven. And we, she's writing a book. And we, uh, we ran all over town trying to tighten up all the loose ends before chemo has me down for the count. We stopped by the office of my publisher, and their foyer is breathtaking. Um, my daughter stood right in front of me, our eyes meeting. Her height has been shocking to me lately. She's about to be taller than me. She's a beauty, beautiful in the way love has made her beautiful. She hugged me as we stood waiting, hugged me without embarrassment, That she was loving her mama in front of strangers. And I looked at her squarely and asked her if she could feel my love. She answered in the affirmative. I told her that my love would always be with her. Even in the places that I may not be with her. That the Bible says love never ends. And this love, this amazing love I feel towards my people, towards you in this breath, it will not end. It's bathed in the love Jesus has for me. His overflowing love that extends itself through my broken body and will last forever and ever. Then our friends that have loved us so well came and spoke to us about the book. We all stood awed by what God is doing through our brokenness. We were all humbled. Then my dear publicist Lisa asked if we could pray together. As she started to pray, my daughter grabbed my hand. I can't handle this because I have kids and I have daughters. Um, She started to pray, and my daughter grabbed my hand. As Lisa was praying, my dear Ella tapped once. Then she tapped four times on my hand, and after a pause, tapped my hand three times. Our secret code for I love you, 143, because there's one letter in I for "love." So much goodness and grace, so much, it's beautiful really. These moments, these little moments quietly loving one another matter. No one is watching, no one needs to. Teach your loves the 143 tap, and in a quiet, sacred moment, tap your heart to the one beside you. Love matters. It never ends. A lot of what I've given my life to will end at my last breath. But love, it won't. Nor will my prayers. I love this little part. My husband has set up the hammock for me. I plan to go pray. Quiet, whispering prayers into the future of my loves. It matters. I love you today, dear hearts. Move, 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 and love tonight. Extending love is something you will never regret. Never. Kara Tippetts understands that her life has significance because her death is not the end. That the love that she has in Jesus and the hope that she has in Jesus are changing her right now. Um, It gives us grace in the midst of the hard. Um, And I pray that all of us will know that. And it can only be found and the Lord that came back from the dead and beat death for us. Do you know him? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for your grace and we're thankful that when we were dead, you gave us your grace. And Lord Jesus, you walked out of the tomb. You didn't need to do that. You didn't have to come. It wasn't for you. You didn't have to die. It wasn't for you. And you didn't have to raise again. It wasn't for you. It was for your people that you love. And so, Lord, would you invade our hearts with your resurrection power. That we would know that in you our labor is not in vain. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.